Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of the Game Off Podcast. This week we got news about the Google Stadia, as well as Microsoft throwing some shade at some PC game stores. And of course, we've got our showcase of the week. This week we have The Division 2 and Crackdown 3. I'm your co-host, Brent Langevin, a.k.a. Arcadia, along with... Andrew Paulo, a.k.a. Solid Talker. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, I took a little hiatus. Uh, I moved halfway across the country to the tiny state of Texas, uh, Austin specifically. Where, whereabouts and, is that state now? Uh, it, it's somewhere to the right of okay, everything. I'm, I'm from Connecticut, so you know I know that area, but the, that whole center and left side of it very much confuses me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the weirdest thing about moving here is that like I don't have to change the city when I put it in my GPS because it's always everywhere I go is in Austin. Like there's no reason to leave Austin. Whereas in Connecticut, you're always going to like through 20 cities to get anywhere. Yeah, you just cities every 10 seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we got some some news this week. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Google Stadia news. Uh, this was announced a couple weeks back. Um, but since we'd been on a little hiatus, um, didn't get a chance to talk about it. Basically, Google is shucking a new generation of consoles that's not exactly a console and that it's actually just a service uh, where they're allotting you a certain amount of, uh, let's, let's just call it power, for you to stream games over the internet and in what they're calling a natural development of YouTube's uh uh, potential YouTube's functionality, um, which they see gaming as the, the natural evolution of what YouTube's already bringing to the table. Is uh. there, I'm not to completely cut you off, but is there any more like games industry in 2017 to 2019, the statement of some company is developing a new X where the X is actually just a service? <laughs> I I mean you could one could argue that that's just the nature of the industry and where everything's going. It, it, and, this is what we have, but don't worry it's not actually that. It's actually more of a service based that. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's weird that they're announcing it as like as a new generation and not just like, oh hey, uh like here's YouTube 2. Go to youtube2.com and check out why it's better, bigger and better. They're like they're really pushing for it to like stand out amongst Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo. I'm still a little fuzzy, and I'm guessing I'm fuzzy because the details don't exist or haven't been announced as of yet. Correct? They haven't really uh, explained what this all means in real terms. <laughs> well, uh, so people have demoed it. They've released hardware specs, but the hardware specs are completely meaningless because it's not a, a physical box that you have sitting connected directly to a TV. It's something that's sitting in like one of their server racks, you know, a thousand, you know, 500 miles away. So, so this it's something similar to the what was it? Was it on live that it was called back in the late 2000s? <laughs> yeah, OnLive was the first one. Um, I know Gaikai it, it was another thing. But yeah, OnLive was the original one, and it was a disaster. Yeah, and don't some, doesn't PlayStation Now work this way? Yep, yep. So you can like rent games for like exorbitant prices um, and stream them over the internet, and the performance is 
from what I've heard, pitiful. I haven't actually tried it because, you know, if you look at the store and you see the prices on them, you're like, why would I, why would I do this? <laughs> um, one of the, one of the big benefits for that though, is that, um, it offers backwards compat, whereas like the PlayStation doesn't. Um, so you can actually play like PS3 and PS2 games through that. Right. So like, that's the only selling point for that. Uh, at this point, from what I understand, it's not, it's not impressive technology. Okay. Okay, that's I've been trying to figure out where like where we're splitting or where we're drawing lines to distinguish Stadia from the other services, which are kind of similar that you've heard of before. But not 100 yeah. <laughs> percent or like I know that doesn't uh, I think the Google Play Store even has some of those like start playing right now games where you just tap and you're playing the game. And I don't know if that's the same tech. Or the same basic premise as Stadia. I, I imagine that that must be again use overuse this word an evolution of what that is. Like that's probably them in their demo phase. Like, hey, we can get something in the player's hands in seconds. Like one one of the major selling points for the Stadia is that they keep saying over and over again the games are going to load within five seconds, um, and like load screens are going to be no more than five seconds. Um, and that's cause like they have these monstrous server racks, like processing everything. Um, so I, yeah, I, I imagine like they saw, they saw an opportunity with these games and people being like, well, I want to play this and I want to play it right now. And you know, instant gratification. Like if I'm not playing right now, then I'm over this. I'm not going to pay money for it. Oh, it's definitely a, uh, and I, I almost wish Google was the type of company to lean into it more in a comparison to some of the stuff that especially Sony was pushing with the like, oh, you can start playing after you've only downloaded 10% of the game. Mm-hmm. And it was really like you could play through the menu and a tutorial level, and then you had to download the other 90% to play anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It was like really like, like I, I know that the dev kits like include like capabilities for that. Like I've seen some games where you can literally, it's more than the op- the opening area. Um, yeah. but like sometimes you'll, when you start playing, like there'll be just missing assets and stuff. Like you have to be really careful. And like from a development perspective, is it really worth going the extra mile to like, you know, coordinate and compartmentalize, like which things get like installed first. I remember, I want to say it was mafia three had a notoriously lazy one of those where it was like you had one room with three guys that you could run around in or something. <laughs> or it may it may have even just been that it loaded the menu, oh, and you couldn't awesome. get further. Yeah, it was some. I'm I can't remember the details. I've seen the mod- menu thing a lot. Yeah, where it's just you can get about this far. You can adjust whatever's in the options, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I, I, I'm okay with that more than like them like putting me in an empty room because if it like if it lets me see the opening cinematic or whatever, and it gets me to the main menu and lets me do the, like set up the config. Um, then, you know, like that saves me five minutes later when the game's ready. Like that's okay. But like loading me into something that doesn't let me go anywhere. Like what the fuck's the point? (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, so stadia, um, stadia is actually going to be announcing the price point and, uh, release date on the 6th of June, which is going to be a few days after this is recorded and a few days before E3. Um, what's, what's interesting is that there's only two games that are currently announced for the platform. 
Um, and it's not going to be a huge event from what I understand that they're announcing it at. So I'm really curious what their game plan is like this. They're going like they're leaning real hard into the service thing, like especially the Google style service. So they're just like, yeah, we have this thing. It's available. It has three things th- that you can use it for. Ho- ho- hopefully people keep using it. Otherwise, we're going to stop supporting it in 24 months. Yeah, I'm getting like flashbacks of Steambox here where on paper I read it and thought, okay, I could see how that'd be helpful and a useful mm-hmm. product for some people. Mm-hmm. But then every actual bit of here is the release, here's what's going to be available on day one, here's the price point, you know, just kept pulling me further and further from interested in it to you know, where it is now, which I don't think Steamboxes still exist in in any real capacity. Yeah, I heard some murmurs about it not long ago, but I I think it might have been more related to the new Vive than anything. Oh, yeah. I think I, if I had to make a prediction, if I'm going to be a pundit here and make a prediction, I'm going to say that this is going to fizzle. And that no, it would, yeah. that it just won't, it's such a weird, it's in such a weird piece of the puzzle where I, I don't see a lot of hardcore gamers or, or even like hobbyist gamers jumping on the bandwagon of this, unless the price point is right and like really cheap, like an Ouya. <laughs> yes. And, Cause Ouya did so well, <laughs> but if they can't get, if they're not going to announce the 15 games that people buy consoles for. So if they're not going to have an MLB, the show and NBA game, if they're not going to have a call of duty, mm-hmm. they're not going to, ha- you know, if they're not going to have that rot- then, you know, none of my cousins, kids are going to ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so, it's worth noting that the two games that are announced are Assassin's Creed Odyssey, a game that came out last year and would be a port and yep. Doom Eternal. So Doom Eternal would be a new game. Yeah. That's, that's the only one. And the only, uh, the only one, the only one that I would say, like, oh, okay, that's, but it's also Doom Eternal's out for everything else yes. that that people have. And it just, I, I wonder if this is going to be like Google Glass, where the only people who bought it were people who bought it to write tech blog articles on it. Yes, yes. Or the Galaxy Fold. Yeah. <laughs> this exists entirely <laughs> for people who write about it. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously we'll be buying one each. Don't buy it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, now we're obliged to. Yep. Yeah, we'll play around with it and talk about how good Assassin's Creed Odyssey is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, my my opinion on it is uh, along that lines. Like, I'm a person who right now is running an Ethernet cord across my living room to my PC because I don't even want to, like, play games on Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. So, so something like this is streaming an entire game over the Internet in a country where there's next to no competition or regulation around the Internet. Um, so like 99% of the country's broadband probably can't even handle streaming a game in like, you know, 4k or 60 frames per second on top of the one new release game being doom eternal, which is a mobility based game that runs best at 60 frames per second. Like there's right now to me personally, there's zero, zero things that are appealing about this. I remember trying out a Steam link at a friend's house, and this was through one wall that this was going. 
<laughs> this is going through one wall from from a very nice gaming PC. Steam linked to his TV on the other side of that wall, trying to play mm-hmm. Rocket League and thinking, this is horrible. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I, fuck it. I hate this. <laughs> I hate the delay. It's so palpable. And that's Rocket League, which isn't, I mean, it you know, it's a fast-paced game, but it's not Doom. It's not csgo or any kind of twitch play twitch based fps it's i could see this working for civ 5 or yeah yeah. (laughs) baba is you where you're not playing around with time constraints but i just Mm -hmm. banner saga yeah sure yeah you want to make you want to make the stadia the the place to go for turn-based rpgs and rts's (laughs) great glad that we finally have a dumping ground for that but i just I don't. I just don't. I don't know who this is for. Yeah. I don't know what what the 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 proposition here is for myself or for the average person buying looking to buy a console. Yep. Yep. And on on that same point, um, I'm going to bring up uh, both the current streaming situation for Xbox as well as like Project X Cloud. So you can stream through the Xbox app to your PC and on the same network. It's so splotchy and shitty that it's just like, I, I'll just not, I'll just not do this. Um, like, is this only being tested inside Cupertino on like really <laughs> nice high fiber networks with low, like, like is, is this being tested in my uncle's house? Does anyone taking this <laughs> to like some shitty apartment or a dorm room? And said, so, "All right, let's set this up here." To oh god, this is horrible. Oh god, shut it down. <laughs> what were we thinking? How old is this Netgear router? What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is uh, just a, you an A router. That's all you've got. <laughs> Somebody wrote it in fucking crayon on the side of it. Um. So like, but uh, there also exists the only current tangible uh competitor to stadia is the microsoft's xcloud platform which is just an expansion of the xbox platform so that sort of has like a built-in appeal uh for someone like me who has a library of like over a thousand xbox games like if it doesn't matter how shitty the games are if i already own them and i'm at work and can play them on my cell phone i'll probably give it a go and if it works like like i'll i'll pay a little bit for it i could see myself doing that being very choosy on which games I do that with, like again, like Banner Saga or something that would work, right? And, um, and if you if you're going into it with that knowledge, and, and that's kind of like you're not buying an additional piece of of hardware to achieve that. It's just like here's the thing you could make use of for games that it's appropriate for. Yeah, exactly. You have some news as well. Yeah, I, I mean, talking about Xbox and Microsoft, they made some very interesting overtures into the PC market in the last week or two, uh, mm-hmm. both with the Xbox Game Pass being available for PC, which is really neat, and more importantly, opening up their themselves to non-universal Windows app programs and selling that stuff on the Steam Store, which yeah. They, from the ones I can remember offhand was the Master Chief Collection, Age of Empires, um, Gears of War Five. Yeah, I think was another Gears one that was 5. coming to Steam. With were, were there any more that were announced? Other Those than are the just ones I remember. Also, the ones in future, kind of open ended. 
Yeah, they said not necessarily every game's going to be coming to Steam, just games that they've deemed will like they they see they see a huge market that they're like no longer willing to just isolate. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm I'm sure putting something like Sunset Overdrive was a was more helpful for them in sales than moving something like Forza. Where oh, yeah. I, I feel like the, this the racing game market on Steam is already kind of not great. That getting Forza on there, you know, it's not like you've got a big base of racing game fans that are just dying to play on PC. Yeah, right. Or maybe there are. I don't know. But that that I thought was a, just a phenomenal bit of shade to throw it at, at Epic as they were doubling down on their very public promises to pay for more exclusives. Yeah, yeah. This goes a long way in in Valve's favor too, because like I I don't know what what Microsoft is saying or saying or not saying about the Epic Store, but they have so far not agreed to any partnerships with them. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. I feel like that's a if you've got Microsoft throwing its weight and its money and resources behind Steam. Not in a in a business, you know, like actual business deal, but just this is where we're going to put our games, and this is where we're going to funnel more of our interest. Uh, that's creating a weird power balance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if Microsoft thinks they're like the United States of the, <laughs> the PC market, where they're trying to just counterbalance it so the entire market doesn't destabilize. I'm just I'm waiting for the day that their their play anywhere thing becomes more ubiquitous across the Xbox PC landscape. Oh, that wouldn't it that just, be cool? It's just a hey, look, here's a game, and if you buy it on Steam or you buy it in the Microsoft Store or you buy it physically for your Xbox, you can play it where all good games are played. Yep. You know that's that kind of just you're buying the right to play the game agnostic of what pro- platform you're on. And maybe that becomes a requirement to be published or to, to be certified as an Xbox game. Yeah. Right. I mean, we live in finally live in a uh, generation where there's cross play. So like, it really doesn't matter. Like you should be able to move from your couch to your PC seamlessly because hypothetically your girlfriend's like, I want to watch fucking one tree Hill. And I'm going like, to get, get out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. and i mean and i i get it moira kelly is captivating but it's you know i want to play my oh, games sure. yeah. yeah 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 um so that, that's that's exciting news for me i'm very happy to see i i love the idea of master chief collection coming out for steam i've been waiting for another halo game on pc for quite a while and yeah. i'm very excited to play that did you see the the whole pizza thing when uh, three four three announced that Master Chief Collection was coming to Steam? No. <laughs> People on the internet kept sending free pizzas to the three four three studio, and eventually they were like. They kept taking pictures like we have enough pizza for the entire week, and then like more people kept catching on to this and be like, "Oh, that's hilarious! I'll send them a pizza too." And eventually, they just showed like just dozens of boxes full of pizzas untouched stacked on top of each other. And like the, the tweets were like, please stop sending us pizzas. We don't know what to do with it anymore. Our family can't, I can't feed my children this much pizza. They'll die. (laughs) What a, what a nice moment for games. Yeah, it was cute. Also a side sidebar. I don't know if 
I think this might have gotten lost somewhere along the way, but the the Game Pass that's coming out to PC is actually a different Game Pass. So it could very potentially have like Steam games on it and stuff like that. Yeah, I I meant to circle back to that and just completely forgotten since obviously that Game Pass can't work for games that were never on PC to begin with. Right, yeah. Because I I know there was like, there was that like five hour window after the announcement came out where people were going nuts and said, did Microsoft just announce that these 30 games are being ported to PC? (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, I I was excited too. I'm I'm excited at the idea of a Game Pass for PC because it's the kind of thing that I could see being really, there is the right person for that kind of service. Oh, that yeah, just absolutely. wants to, you know, like with something like Netflix, just log on and see, okay, what games are available today? Mm-hmm. What new games have been added? I'll pick something out, especially if you're not someone who follows the industry and follows new releases. Yeah. Yeah. And it is something that they update on a weekly basis, at least for the console version. So like you, you could theoretically go on just like once a week and there will be one or two new games waiting for you, mm. which is would be a very cool feeling. Yeah, I, I think something like that. It, I've been waiting for something like that to exist for PC gaming. Yes. And it just it's just not been there until now, which is great. Yeah. I, I'm not going to well, get there, it. There was EA access. Still, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you said that because I had this similar, similar conversation with someone a week ago, and they also <laughs> pointed out that I had forgotten about EA access. <laughs> I, I think most PC users do. Yeah, it's I get it. But it's also just such a a limited library. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I subscribe to both fair warning and I'm not as no, nowhere near as impressed with EA access. I subscribe to it cause you can get it on sale every once in a while for like 20 bucks a year. Mm, so like at, at that price it's worth it. Cause then I like always have like the newest need for speed and like a FIFA game if I want to play it and stuff like that. So like there's, there's value at $20 a year more I than think- that. I don't know. I think if you could make an EA access that was just the most latest DLC filled version of the Sims, I know four or five people who would pay $20 a month for that. Just (laughs) all I want is just whatever you've done for the Sims and also all previous versions, just a Sims pass. Oh man. Yeah. That's funny because they really should consider like certain games like that, just releasing straight to uh, yeah, access because it's not release games, obviously, because you, you can't put a game like Battlefield Six or whatever games they also have coming out. I think that's it. <laughs> what um, you can't put that directly onto it, so they call it the vault because like games go to die there and like have a new life, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a game like The Sims that probably like sells well, but like doesn't like door bust. Like that would probably be a really smart thing to release on a platform like that. Because you could get a market of people willing to pay the service price that maybe only have like two or three games and are like, oh, well, might as well. It's better than, you know, dropping like 60 bucks and then another 20 bucks every two months when they release DLC pack. Right. Because stuff like that and the other one that always is always putting out stuff, although it's not EA, is City Skyline. But those kind of just general management games that are getting little content patches here or there, you know, the baseline mechanics are there from release just charge me 10 bucks well not me but charge someone else who wants it ten dollars a month and then just do you know incremental updates here mm-hmm. we've added 15 new shirts and a dozen new couches and the pets you can have more pets yeah yeah 
before we jump into our showcase, have you been playing anything good this week worth mentioning? Uh, well, so I only had my PC up until a couple days ago, so I started replaying, not replaying, but got back into Final Fantasy XIV online, uh, which is an MMO with like thousands of other people online, for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, just just been leveling classes. They got an X-Pack coming out. Uh, I'm considering doing the X-Pack as part of uh, Game Off. Uh, I don't know how that would work. I think that's something we'll have to talk about more later, but having a decent amount of fun with it, just just diddling around, burning time. Now that I got my console back, I got back into real games. Like one I'll go over next week. How about you? Uh, I picked up Shakedown Hawaii on the Epic Store, which I don't know if you are familiar with it at all. It's by the the developers of Retro City Rampage. Uh, I think you had mentioned it to me. But that's all I know about it. Yeah, it's a... Hmm. It's a neat little game it's like a it looks like a clone of the original gta but almost graphic down a little bit 16 bit ish mm-hmm. and the idea is you're this it's very much a satire on capitalism and also just trends in modern games and modern cinema and modern consumerist culture mm, to cool. not to not sound too like you know college anti-capitalism professor thing but <laughs> the yeah it's gta you do a lot of you know jump into cars drive around run people over shoot them uh go buy up businesses and then you, you know, mean like you gta can, one and two style, yes gta like one and two top down um you're switching between a couple of different characters based on the mission you buy properties and you can that you earn rent from them each day and you can add things like you get the ability to add microtransactions to anything. So you've just said, you know, you bought a resort and now there's microtransactions in your resort, or now you're charging <laughs> convenience fees at the prison that you purchased. It's oh, very, gosh. that kind of satire. <laughs> really, really well done mechanics, but it has like the whole game feels like the beginning of a modern GTA game. You know, that first three hours of like GTA five where all they're, they're doing is pulling you by your ear from tutorial mission to tutorial mission. Mm-hmm. Like, learn how to do this, learn how to do this. Don't You have no time to do anything open world. We just need you to go through these three hours so you understand all the mechanics. Imagine that as an entire game. Just the second, you, yeah, the second you finish a mission, it's immediately telling you, all right, your next mission is here, go do it. Go over here and do it. Yeah, you could go do all this, but go, go over here, do it now. Oh, that's kind of a shame. Yeah, it was. So I, I played it to the end, but I uh, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah, especially because of how just like driving getaway sort of style games like lend themselves to just freedom and open worlds. Like this is why we have the genre. It's basically GTA 3. Yeah, kick the door exactly. Open for it. And this had not, it did not have any of that. It, it, it introduced a couple of mechanics of like, oh, now that you've bought these car dealerships, you can go repo cars for them and make a little extra money. But the money you made was so paltry compared to just the general daily rent that you made. There was never a reason to do it. Yeah. Very weirdly balanced and really good mechanics. Their engine was good, but just pacing and, and story or mission configuration was really weird. So, yeah, not a, that's a no from me. Well, if anyone's keeping here, score, don't 
Don't buy. Yeah, if if you <laughs> if you made that game, you can put that blurb on the bag. <laughs> Andy from Game Off Podcast says, "Don't buy." <laughs> so before we get into a, a, a second aside, uh, before we get to the showcase, um, a lot some people might be listening and being like, "Guys, E three is coming out next, or E three is happening next week." You didn't mention it at all. Well, good news. We're going to be having a, another episode coming out later this week that's going to be a pre-E3 Bonanza along with another showcase. Uh, so please look forward to that. All right. So this week we got our showcase. Uh, it's going to be The Division 2 and Crackdown 3. We're going to go over a very brief history of both of these franchises since we got two sequels today, as well as a summary of you know the story and everything. And then you can expect to hear more about the gameplay, art, sound design and then we're going to give our final thoughts all right andy what do you got to say about division two so the division two is the sequel to the division one which came out about three years ago back in 2016 huh. i know it's weird weird how ubisoft kind of does that it's a tom clancy game which i think still means things these days like gen- generally stealth but not really anymore actually is kind, does the division kind of have any tactical? stealth mechanics I don't think so. No, there may we'll be like one or two forced stealth sections in missions, like in actual set missions that I can vaguely remember from Division One. But uh, so Tom Clancy used to mean tactical gameplay, <laughs> stealth, really realistic gun gunplay, and especially a lot of realistic damage taking when it came to like third person shooters and first person shooters. These days, I think it just means you're the police. And you use semi-realistic guns. I, I think that's all Tom Clancy really means anymore. But the Division series, to be more specific, first one took place in Manhattan. It's the end of the world. Some kind of virus is gone and just fucked things up pretty badly. And you were part of the Division, which was trying to fix a pretty badly fucked up Manhattan. The first one came out and it was kind of this pseudo mmo thing but not really i don't know what you really call that type of game where you're playing on but you don't have to actually be playing with other people uh yeah it's like persistent online experience or something like that sure better than pseudo mmo kind of thing persistent (laughs) online experience and you'd go around this city you'd take these kind of emergent missions that would pop up of gang members that were like hey you don't belong here policemen you'd say yes i do i'm the police and you'd shoot each other (laughs) and the game ended and there was all this kind of post story content end game content that had some pvp and some interesting looting mechanics and very i'm sure there's a better term for it but i always go back to weakest link where you'd have to bank the money that you were earning I'm sure there's a better term for when you oh, yeah. when you make when you risk fighting more in a game and losing everything instead of going back and banking and starting your reward gathering from scratch. Yeah, I don't know what in that Do- is. Yeah, every game has a different version of it. In in Dota, it's called something like unsafe gold, where if you die, you lose like X amount of your gold, depending on how you earned it. Okay, I'm gonna keep calling it the weakest link because that's that's, that's cool. what my references are. <laughs> so, like the TV show, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. You you <laughs> were in this in the black zone or the dark zone, and you'd fight other guys and call in helicopters, and Ann Robinson would fly in and make fun of you <laughs> and take all of your loot back to headquarters. 
it was pretty well received and got a good amount of post launch support. It had some pretty large patches that addressed a lot of balance and especially end game content issues. And they added a lot of new gameplays. It was a good time. I, I played it at release, had some fun with it, and then a year later played it again and had more fun with it. So the Division 2 came out. Oh man, I, I had this. I had this on, on my head where it came out. March. Came out March this year. March 19th. I remember that now. And it takes place in Washington, D.C. and is the same game. Uh, if you wanted a different <laughs> game, you don't have it. If you wanted the same game, you're in luck. It's generally the same plot. You're in Washington, D.C. Everything's bad. There was a plague disease thing. Most people have died. Plants grew. There's animals sometimes. And you're part of the division, and you're walking around, and you're generally fighting and shooting people in these kind of emergent missions, and some of them are not emergent. Some of them are scripted, is the opposite of that. With these really mm. nice big set pieces and well-designed levels. Otherwise, you're walking around DC, you're finding loot, you're gathering that loot together, and you're using it to fight things. I think that's that's my summary um, on, on the story. Um, so the original one, um, the, whatever happened, the plague happened during Christmas. So it adds like a really interesting, like theme to the whole game. Did, was it also like a Christmas theme to this entire thing? And this may lend more towards like art and sound design later on, but I'm just curious myself. Oh yeah. None of that. None no, of that. If, no, you, no, if you liked, if you liked the fact that it took place right after Christmas and it gave it an interesting feel and made everything, gave everything more weight and kind of made it this because the fact that it happened after Christmas, that part of the story was that the kind of consumer culture and consumerism helped the virus spread. Mm -hmm. You know, that was part in that intro cinematic that they showed in the division one. Um, no, that, that kind of framing in an interesting way does not exist here. And okay. they did not do a very good job. They didn't do any real good job making you engaged in the story. Yeah, well, one, one would argue that that's a very MMO thing to do. Like before Blizzard started hiring uh, machinima uh, artists, they had like one CGI movie in every <laughs> fucking X-Pack and that was it. And everything else was just read your quest log, dummy. Like, no. Yeah, it definitely has that feeling, which is almost, it feels so out of place because all of, Ubisoft's other games do a good job telling story. Assassin's Creed does a really good job working the story into the gameplay. Same with Far Cry. Even Ghost mm. Recon Wildlands. The story was given to you organically as you were playing. And this is just... Here's the story if you want it. It's okay if mm. you don't. That's a shame. But, yeah, I, I was not engaged by the story at all. Now, does uh, I'm just going to keep asking questions because I haven't played it and I played the first one. Um, okay. Does does the plague happen like at the same time as the first game, or is this something that just spreads across the U.S. slowly? I believe it's the same plague, to my understanding. I assume it's the same plague, but is it like, oh man, like New York got hit first and then DC got hit like a week later, uh, something like that? I'd be lying if I answered that question. I don't. I do not know. <laughs> That, ah. that may have been part of a uh, a story dump that I just didn't get. 
Mm, I, I okay. do not know. It didn't seem like it was Christmas time. So I'm going to say that this <laughs> takes place after the original game. But... All right. Context clues. Yeah, context, yeah the, the context clues were not there. I did pick up that, it, that we were in D.C., and they did, a, they did a very good job doing that subtle nod to that by setting your base in the White House. I picked mm. up on that. <laughs> yeah. Is, is DC an interesting location for the story? Like, it, did it need to be DC? Like, did you find that, like, you know, shooting your way to the top of the Washington Monument was extraordinarily fun? You know... It's just something I assume no. happens. If it didn't, I'd be mad. The I found the landmarks in Far Cry, or Far Cry Fallout Three more enjoyable than the landmarks in this, because hmm. this is almost so full of stuff and overgrowth and trees and lighting effects and burnt out cars and flipped over cars and shooting and dogs and deer running and everything that you don't have those moments like you did in Fallout 3 where you come out of the subway and you go, oh shit, there's the Washington Monument right there. Mm. Like you don't have that 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 surprise moment, that, uh, that oh shit moment of there's that thing. Because you're just constantly like, the first mission takes you directly into the White House. So <laughs> your I'm in familiar territory cherry is just popped right there. And uh-huh. it's... It didn't. It didn't work for me. I did not find it as exciting as I do. It did a lot of other games set in familiar locales. Hell, I had more fun recognizing places in Boston in Fallout Four than I did in this, just because it's so okay. It's the apocalypse. Everything's shit. Cars are flipped over. There's a building that I, I kind of recognize from school trip to DC. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't there. It wasn't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't there. All right. Enough said. Yeah. Enough said. I won't say any more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the good news is, oh, I guess that we're not competing head to head anymore. But I don't have many great things to say about Crackdown 3's uh, story either. Um, but first, a brief history. Um, Crackdown 3 is uh, the third game in the Crackdown series, unless you count a mobile game. Um, it is. It should have just been a reboot of 1, because it feels just like 1. They've added very few things from 1 or since then. Um, hmm. two, 2 was really poorly received, so they sort of went back to... Went back to their their original britches with a new. Actually, two might have had a different dev studio too, but I don't remember now. Three definitely has a new new dev studio. Sumo Digital. Two um, was the one where they added the zombies, right? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was something. I mean, there's there's like supernatural aspects to the game. Like the whole thing's like not so distant future, but like a lot of futuristic stuff. Um, like the whole premise of the game is like when you die, you get regenerated like from your DNA. Like you're not like starting from a checkpoint, like your entire body just gets rebuilt. Um, and you have like cars that can crawl up like buildings and stuff. Um, but that's more into the gameplay. Um, anyway, this, the the story of three is barely there. Um, sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, and not, not unlike, 
uh, some of the other capitalist, uh, anti-capitalist stuff we said before. But basically, the whole thing is, you know, big corporations are are, uh, are power corrupts absolutely, and big corporations are bad. And okay, um, but yeah, it's the the whole story is just you you keep you're going after a series of really bad guys with no redeeming <laughs> qualities cartoonishly bad people like we are actively killing civilians or putting them into labor camps haha ha, this is hilarious right no obviously not <laughs> i have to kill you shit like this like oh we're gonna mulch people up to make this compound that makes people more powerful and it's like <laughs> you're, you're evil i have to kill you <laughs> like there's there's no there's no moral gray to any anything in this game it was just like just just kill everything you see like human mulch is when you're getting to that level of evil that <laughs> we're just we're just grinding up people to make human human mulch is such a over the top level of evil yeah yeah they i i forget what it is like they, they do some weird shit to like extract chimera this this mystical compound that makes things more powerful except for the last boss which is like a really easy fight um but yeah, it, like they do all sorts of crazy shit, like mine it and like I don't know, fucking circle jerk people for it. Ooh, I didn't pay attention. I'm not, there's <laughs> the the entire the story of the game is told via um, like the um, I, don't, I forget what the the it's not it's like picture motion where they sort of animate like still images. Um, okay, and, like, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so you'll you'll complete like an objective and then you'll get introduced to the bad guy in that area that controls that thing. You'll get like the fucking still images and be like, oh, look at it. Listen to how much of a monster I am. Isn't it great? <laughs> it's like, what 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 made you this way? It's like, don't worry about it. I'm just evil. Isn't that all you need to know? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Like, I'll, I guess I'm coming to kill you. Um, yeah, so there's like seven bosses in the game, none of which or interesting at all. <laughs> um, one of them was an AI that was kind of cool. There's like, um, there's like a uh, propaganda towers or that's not what I'm thinking of. There's like story caches that if you pick up that you can hear dialogue between the villains and like, it's still never anything like giving you any depth to these characters. It's just like, fuck, fuck all these people. Like these fucking people like rip me off and now I'm even more mad. And it's like, so you were already a dick to start and now you're just a monster. Like I see. So yeah. Anyway, you go around, you you kill all the baddies, you get to the super baddie and then you kill them and then the game ends. And that's the story. That sounds like a pretty good story. Yeah, it was, it was there. Um, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll divert to you to talk about the gameplay for the division because that's literally like I can't think of a single thing more to say about the story. Okay, see, it sounds like you had a, about as in depth of a story as the division did. I, yeah. I know that the division. Not to keep harping on the story, I know that there's a story you can read on its Wikipedia page. But <laughs> is it more than one paragraph? It is. It's a detailed summary of of everything that happens in this game, but. Well, anyways, it's not it's not important and or interesting. The gameplay, however, the gameplay is very similar to Division One. You have, and it's kind of overlaps to what I was saying before, but you have these objectives that you're running around, and some are just popping out of nowhere. And hey, there's 
a food crate that fell down in the middle of the road. Go protect it for a minute and keep these evil roaming gangs from feeding themselves. You need to feed oh. yourself. And No, I mean, they're, they're evil and they're bad. The game made that very clear. So you stop them and you shoot them all in the face and then you've won the food. And that's great. <laughs> the, hooray. The, hooray. Hooray for you. It's all done in cover-based shooting. It's well, very well done shooting mechanics. You get behind cover, you pop over and you shoot. You have these deployables that you can use to gain advantages. You can roll these kind of seeking mines that look like bowling balls that go and you know, debuff people or explode. You can summon various types of drones that will you can send to go, oh, hey, go that sniper over there. I want you drone to fly over there and shoot him, shoot him for me because I don't have a sniper rifle and, and he's far away. That's pretty cool. You can put down stuff to heal and create these kind of auras. You can get a uh, a deployable shield that you can walk, and certain weapons can be held over the shield and fire. But, you know, and that's you look pretty cool walking at people with a shield and you shoot bang bang. That's all fun. Mm-mm. The you do a lot of shooting. You pick up items, and sometimes you'll pick up the items that allow you to craft mods. Now, in the first division, you'd find mods on the ground. And it was a single-use thing you'd attach to a gun. And then if you wanted to get a different gun, you got like, oh, this is a better rifle than the one I had. You take all the mods off, put them on the new rifle, and that's dumb. It's a dumb system that no one likes. It's still like that? So they still... No, it's not like that now, because now once you... You don't earn a mod, you earn the ability to make a mod, and you can just make that mod a billion times. So once you learn how to make a, a scope that's a certain size, whatever, and you can make a, a long-range rifle scope, then you can make that for whatever weapon can use that rifle scope. Okay. So that part's good. They still have the problem where I've got a sweet rifle kitted out with a, with a mod for, you know, for a, a muzzle flare and a, a scope and a stock and a magazine, which all change its stats. It's, it's incomprehensible stats. And then you find another gun on the ground, which you think might be better than the one you have. And there is no way to compare the gun that you have in the ground with the base stats of the gun in your hand. It's just something that they never thought you would want to do. Because I don't think they played the game. It's the most basic question. What is the base level? How do I know if the gun that I find on the ground is better? Well, it clearly isn't, because... The one I have in my hand has a bunch of shit on it. So I guess if you've got a spreadsheet that you keep track of the base stats of all the weapons that you're carrying in, this is a very easy game for you. Hmm. But if you don't have a second computer open with Excel to do this kind of comparison with, they give you no no mechanism by which to do a quick comparison between weapons, and it's nonsense. And it was a problem in the first game, and Ubisoft doesn't know how to make menus. Their menu systems are horrible. I hate them. I hate them so much. It's true. Yep, they're just they're just bad menus. It's bad UI, and that you know what? That's I'm going to say that the biggest problem with the Division Two isn't even that it's so similar to the Division One because the Division One was fun and I could have played more of the Division One. The problem is that all of the things that they did wrong with the Division One, as far as user experience, are as bad as they were in the Division One. You still have to walk through these large bases to go talk to people, to just craft something, or to sell something, or move things, and it's such a, 
the first two hours it's really cool because you're walking around these bases that are like you know you've got this base that is across three different rooftops and three different levels of three different rooftops you walk across these platforms to get to different areas and talk to people but by hour 15 you just want to show up at the door sell 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 done okay let's go it's just padding and fluff their menu system is so unintuitive and frustrating to use and it's pretty as hell and whoever did all of the the visual effects for their menu should be commended because they look really cool but it's mm. the most unintuitive menu system just getting around uh, selecting i want to put a mod here well you can't actually click there you got to click slightly off there or you got, you can't even though you can hover over it to see the thing to click it you got to actually click it in the menu just the those kind of weird things where you just want to, like did a human play this game did anyone <laughs> actually play this game long enough where they had to check a lot of equipment and to go through it quickly you know or did they only allow any any tester to play it for 2 hours before the scales fell from their eyes and then kick them off because they didn't want any feedback from anyone late game it's it's those kind of things that are just very frustrating and i they did not seem to learn from so those are the kind of things you run into the the main story missions are good they the set pieces are really well done you get you fight through these really intricate battles if, if you remember in the division one you know you had that that one where you're in a mall that was on fire oh yeah yeah that was yeah. a great great mission and there are similar missions with with similar mm-hmm. epic feels in this the game. one in Times square that was cool yeah the one in Times square was awesome like there were good missions that i remember having a lot of fun playing and there were some in this game too that were a lot of fun to, to run around in and just see these really cool areas that they designed and you could see how they designed it so that the enemies would flow this way and you you couldn't really back yourself into a corner you had to keep moving because mm. people would keep flanking you really neat do you have but, a favorite that wasn't like a spoilery favorite uh, there was one that also actually ends in a mall. You you go oh. down into a subway and you're sabotaging some subway cars, and then you go out of the subway up into a mall, and you're you have to take these gas tanks out and you're going through stores. Really neat, really oh, cool. well designed, and uh, they do that which Ubisoft does very well in a lot of their games. That thing where you're on a linear mission, but it feels like you're making the decision of which way to go. Mm-hmm. Even though you know the, just the, the paths and the way it funnels you through is very intuitive, so it doesn't feel like you're just standing there looking for the door outlined in yellow as the one to go, and everything feels very natural. But just overall, the, all those little things piled onto a, an experience that did not feel like it was really all that improved over the first one, and I had really gotten frustrated with the first one towards the end because it just felt so hostile to actually playing. Mm. Did so that, you find much point in the open world? <laughs> no, I didn't. It, I kind of just found myself going, I, I felt no real desire to explore like I did in the division one. I felt myself really just going from mission to mission and then back to safe house mm. or or other spot. I didn't feel like I was being drawn to check out what was down that alley or what was in that building. It, 
the open world just felt like something tying missions together. And if there was a way for me to just click and say, all right, start next mission, I would have after the first hour. The, yes. Yeah, it, the, the open world didn't feel... And, and the emergent missions didn't feel... Because they were so at the street corner, projected on your mini-map, there's an emergent mission coming up. Yeah, it, it, Even though they were kind of random and kind of out of nowhere, it was still like, there it is at that spot right there. That's the spot it's going to be at. You can tell because that's where the things are. That's, yeah. that's annoying. Especially after Anthem came out this year and didn't learn its lessons from any other persistent online shooter kind of things. When, when are they going to get this right? Maybe this is just the state of persistent online shooters. It, a lot of... I'm happy to grind through this game. I, I would have happily played more missions and replayed them over and over, but it just... All the connective tissue wasn't there. Yeah. Try Imagine. All the stuff that you want to do in between missions of just... What gear did I get? How does it compare? Let me sell. Is there any cool new stuff to buy? All right, next mission. <laughs> that was just painful. I wonder what uh, like a co-op loot shooter that isn't in an open world looks like. Because that sounds more and more fun every day because there's less fucking pissing about. <laughs> I guess the closest I can think of would be like Warframe. That is that is the closest, actually. That's pretty fucking spot on, and that's a pretty popular game right now. Yeah, in Warframe, you know, your hub is the size of a dorm room, maybe a little larger, <laughs> and it's yep. just standing at different kiosks and engaging. And I think most of those kiosks are also accessible by hitting escape and then selecting it from the menu. Yeah. Yeah, like, if, if in Monster Hunter World, like, uh, which it actually oh. does it pretty well, too. <laughs> Monster but- Hunter World. <laughs> if if in Monster Hunter World I was relegated to just like that final room that you get, like I'd be pretty fine with that, and then like just leave my missions from there. Like yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah Monster Hunter World was another one where you know after three you know after thirty hours I don't want to watch these cats make food anymore. Just, just <laughs> let me let me well. buy the the boost and then be done. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to put my foot down on that because I watched it almost every fucking time. <laughs> yeah, no, this the, that was I don't want to watch this guy forge my armor anymore. Yes, that that yeah. one sucked. Yeah. The five cats making you a giant meal that no human could possibly eat, like entertaining for the rest of eternity. Like, yeah, no, put those, it on loop the, at my funeral. Those cats were adorable. I apologize. I take it back. <laughs> Glad we got that squared away. So tell me about the gameplay of uh, Crackdown 3. Wait, I have one more question. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bullet sponge bosses, are they still in this game? Uh, yeah, of course. Fuck, dude. Of it course. It doesn't make any fucking sense in the division. It, like, they're wearing, like, like one fucking, like, bulletproof vest, and you have to shoot them, like, a hundred thousand times. Like, that's not how human bodies work. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> not. And they've got guys in these huge suits, like they're the fucking big daddies from Bioshock. Yeah, they're just, not fucking mechs. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't make any sense. People with like fucking football pads on. <laughs> and there's just this, you know, these huge guys in tons of armor and 30 welding helmets all on at the same time, <sighs> firing grenades at you in a, in a building that's on fire. I'm like, this is <sighs> in any world. This is a bad idea. You would be dying in that outfit. This building is on fire. 
It's on <laughs> fire, sir. We both need to leave. to death. Have you just been standing here this whole time waiting for me? <laughs> I need water. Uh, I feel bad. Yeah, let's go. Let's just go upstairs into the mall. There's there's a there's a, a, a Jamba Juice we can raid or something. Let's just get you get you sorted. Get you out of those hot thirty layers of football pads. Yeah, the bullet sponges were definitely there, and the same level of frustration. This isn't this isn't what I wanted from a realistic looter shooter. Yeah, not not at all. And like. There, there has to be a certain degree of like suspension of like disbelief in these games because like in more traditional MMOs you can have like level eighty parrots that could theoretically kill like the the <laughs> god king boss from the original X pack at level fifty like so like obviously you have to like put some of those things aside but like it's real weird when you're shooting a dude in the face like when he's wearing like fucking goggles or like ski mask or something yeah it just it's just like whatever. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. Just brush it off. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, right. tell me about the gameplay of Crackdown Three. Yeah. So, I know. I know a lot of people. So, Crackdown got a bit of shit. Um, the game came out back in February um, to sort of mediocre reviews, and it got a lot of shit for. Um, pro- I assume the story. The story is terrible, but um, also the gameplay. And honestly, like. When I got into Crackdown 3, I was like so excited to play a game like that that like I got I got pretty into it. Like I beat the game in like three sittings. Like it was only like a 10-hour game. I shouldn't oversell myself. Which is <laughs> something you should probably know. It's, it's only a 10-hour game unless you 100% it, like and get all the fucking like a thousand and a half orbs in the game. Then you're looking at like 30 hours, but that's that's deep padding for nothing. Nothing sure. great. Um yeah, you get like a solid ten hours where like this this loop of just like locking on enemies, throwing huge fucking like tractor trailers and shit at people once you've built up to that certain strength um, and stuff. Like it not having to worry about skill at all. Like it was the type of brainless fun that I was so thrilled to play, especially <laughs> after playing the division or not the division, <laughs> Devil May Cry, which you can listen to episode three to hear more about. Um, but after playing that and having to like master combos and like on three different characters with like something like fucking 80 different permutations of like whatever stance you are currently in that you could switch between, uh, I was like, man, I, I'm tired of using like the, this 10% of my brain. What game is going to make me use 0% and goddamn this game fucking nailed that. Um, so as I, as I alluded to before, like the progression's real simple. You punch bad guys to death, you're going to get better at punching guys to death. You shoot bad guys to death, you're going to get better at shooting bad guys to death. Um, you can get up to like six, six levels on each thing. Like after a certain point, you realize that like there's enough loot crates around everywhere that like not just equipping three explosive weapons um, is moronic. So I just equipped three fucking explosive weapons and one shot everybody. Um, <laughs> but I was I was playing on like the second hardest difficulty. So like there was still a little bit of challenge, like not much, but like it basically it was just lock on, like shoot homing rocket. Oh no, I ran out of homing rocket. Switched to like my my poison launcher, um, and just just when I ran out of ammo and all three guns, like oh there's a there's an ammo box ten feet away. I'll go refill and then continue to just mass murder people. 
that were just corporate employees. Most of them are just like, they look like janitors. So sometimes you do feel bad, but neither <laughs> here nor there. Don't um, think too much about it. Yeah, it's better not to. There's, there's some guys that are literally manning like, like, like fruit stands and stuff. And they come out with guns at you because you're blowing up their workplace <laughs> and you just, just murder them. Um, what else we got going on? Uh, yeah. So like I had already mentioned, the only goals in the game are to uh, get to the bad guys. And you can do that either via direct assault, which the game doesn't really tell you you can do, um, but you can go straight to a bad guy's lair if you know where they are and just kill them. Um, but the game really wants you to like do all of the objectives to like get the get the rails going and get lead you to that boss. So, like, so like you, theoretically, if you knew where they were, you could just get there immediately. Yeah, and fight. If oh, that's you, interesting. Yeah. If so, the the final boss is on top of a giant tower, and I had already mentioned the the car that can climb buildings. So if you start a new game plus and already have the spider car unlocked. Um, then you can roll straight up to the final boss and do that within a half hour of starting a new new world. Or you can level up your car to like level three and get that, which really wouldn't take that long either. So theoretically, you could beat the game in like an hour and a half, I would say. If you knew what you were doing. Um, how, do you, so, how do you level up cars? Uh, racing and doing fancy things like drifting or stunt jumps. So there, there so, actually is a reason to drive cars around in this one. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I my my car skill was like three, and everything else was like five and a half to five and three quarters by the time I finished. You're so hyper mobile that it's nonsense to get into a car. But by level five jump or agility, which just lets you jump and run faster, um, you can triple jump and double air dash, and in like a, a metropolis, like this is set, you're, you're mostly like jumping from high building to high building. So it's it's insanity to ever get into a car, except for like one zone, which is slightly more barren than the rest. Okay, I was going to say, because I remember that both from Crackdown 1 and from a couple of games that took their inspiration from there, like Saints Row 4, where once you got any mobility upgrades, it was idiotic to try and move around in cars then cars were just were just a, a thing to throw at people yeah yeah okay yeah or, or but, like but the later pokemon changed. games when you get like sprint boots and you're like why am i gonna waste four seconds getting my bike out and i can just sprint everywhere right okay so yeah glad that hasn't changed yeah it has not <laughs> um like like i said to the games like the difficulty is not really there except for a couple of challenging bosses like there were two bosses that killed me a handful of times and it was because like i just i was was doing like just the i I had to turn over my my regular shooter mindset and turn into like doom mode and just keep running and jumping and running and jumping and then as soon as you realize that like oh yeah this is this is a mobility game too just like not quite like doom then it's like oh everything's easy now okay um what else uh, that, so there's 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 guns there's there's a decent variety of guns in it too um they're pretty pretty unique um, most of the interesting guns were like the explosive guns you can get like fucking 
like uh, grenade launchers that shoot out like 10 at the same time. And like, okay. like, said, like the, po- the poison launcher, auto auto rocket launchers with, with like eight, eight rocket clips. Um, so it's really just stuff. an overall over the top game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the, the tagline for the game was here comes the boom. And like, it, there's, there's a lot of boom, but um, yeah, I, I mean, if it's, from a gameplay perspective, like it's just brainless. The objectives themselves were super redundant. Like you were jumping, like there was a variety of different objectives, but they were all the same for like a boss you were going to like leading up to. So like the AI controlled all the monorail stations and like the, because like they had all the trains and the guns riding on the monorails, which is cool that you once you took them over you you got control of the rail guns but like Mm -hmm. ultimately was like completely irrelevant because i think it was just down the outer rim of the the world and when you like the end game is in the the middle so they're just like oh i unlocked i unlocked all these laser guns and i've not seen one anywhere that's a shame (laughs) um yeah um and like i said the the last boss was too easy I think I downed her in like a minute. <laughs> it's like really sad. That is disappointing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, all overall, like it was the game I needed in the moment, but I can see why a lot of people wouldn't want to play this. Like if I didn't come hot off of Devil May Cry, I probably wouldn't have liked it this much. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Anyway, we got to segue into uh, art and sound. I'll, I'll let you uh, go into Division. You know, Ubisoft makes some pretty looking games. That Snowdrop <laughs> engine is really nice looking. I, uh, It looked pretty. You know, it, there was a lot more daylight in this than there was in Division 1. So it wasn't as shades of blue, brown, and black. There was some hmm. yellows. There was some greens coming in there. There were some reds. Looked really cool. Uh, you, you'd get these moments where you're walking and there's sun coming through the street and there's animals running. You know, there's like a dog or some other feral animal running and this kind of this area's been slightly reclaimed by nature. Shit's on fire or flipped over. I think this is a hmm. pretty game. And. But it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it. it. It sets the atmosphere fine, and it sets the the area around it fine. But there weren't moments where I really felt like, oh god, this is this is a gorgeous game. These the or even just th- this firefight feels so intense with the explosions and everything. Like the sound design is fine. The guns all mm. sound. You know, your, your LMGs are loud and repetitive and your rifles are these big cracks. But it it was trying to hold up something that wasn't there. The art and the sound were trying to prop up this game that was just kind of outside of the, the set piece missions, very mediocre. And the set piece missions, you know, again, you have these, these musical cues and Ubisoft has done very well with their music and their use of music in their missions. And it's all there. It feels like this music and this art and this world that they've built should have been given to a better game. 
Okay. Yeah. So uh, aside from the rest of the division, would you say that everything like the, the art and oh, sound yeah. design are strong? Yeah. That's I mean, Ubisoft's great at that. The art and sound, the city looks great. It, it's not, you know, I, I wasn't as captured by it as I was in the first one, just because the, you know, that, as you said, that after thing or after Thanksgiving, after Christmas setting, but also just these really tall skyscrapers of division one made it feel very claustrophobic, even though it was huge. Yes. Whereas this, you know, DC has some more open areas. You run into more parks and greenery. And so it doesn't happen as much, but it's very good looking. And I, I wish someone else, I want, I want the division to make like the division blood dragon or whatever the <laughs> in between division games yes. is that would, use the same map and engine, but really do something interesting with it rather than just set a C plus looter shooter in it because it deserves better than that. The, the city is a really well modeled city and it feels like you're actually walking around a city. It feels like there's distance and breadth and depth to, to it, which a lot of <laughs> open world games don't have that feeling. You just kind of feel like you're walking around any city block there, but this you really get those those moments of recognizing intersections, and those ones where you end up accidentally circling back on yourself and you don't realize that you've ended up somewhere you recognize because you came at it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you try a different you try a different route driving home from work one day and everything feels wrong, even though you you basically know where you are. Yeah, but it just it deserves better gameplay on top of it. Mm. Yeah, that's well, that's my. That's I'll, my, I'll uh, consider it a win for the game, regardless. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely, if you're looking for, there's no way that you'd have a learn about DC by walking through these streets like you did with Assassin's Creed Origins. Yeah, but <laughs> it deserves something like that. Mm. So yeah, I, I was going to ask that earlier, but I decided to wait for this category. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me about DC was just how like fucking like it, where all of the important stuff is like the Smithsonian and all the monuments and memorials. Like there's just a ton of nothing in between all that stuff. Like just, just fucking fields. Yeah. Like uh, how, what did they fill that with? Like what was the, how did they design around that? Cause no, like gazebos sheds. It just felt open and it felt like you, you would find, things that were awkwardly roadblocked off just to create walls and barriers that you had to go around so mm -hmm. that it would break up distance. You'd have like a news van or not a news van, but like a, what do you call it? One of those, those trucks that they use to put in new telephone poles parked yeah. like askew across the road or that hit into a, into a fence and knocked it down partially. You'd have these areas that were just kind of awkwardly broken off just to add break some texture to the streets mm -hmm. because you point out a lot of the monuments are all kind of in one area and then there's the rest of dc and fields are not where looter shooters belong yeah yeah that was my main concern when they announced dc stand that's a shame all right now uh, tell me about the art and sound of crackdown 3 yeah, well, I, my no, my notes are pretty short here. Um, so it's it's got a it's not like 
like highly cell shaded, but it's like it's like a mild like stylized cell shading to the design of the whole world. Um, so it looks like kind of cool. Like it's like like the cartoonishness sort of plays into like how cartoony every aspect of the game is. And it's just it's just trying to be a stupid fucking fun game. And in that it does succeed. But where where it fails is that like it, n- nothing about the game at any point like truly impressed me i i in in the design side of things um so like my note here is like for a game that with the tagline of like here comes the boom i was never really wowed by any of the booming like there was no like big explosions or like buildings falling to the ground or like when i when i was endlessly rocketing people in the face i was never like oh this feels good i was just like oh he's gone now that was easy um <laughs> It was just like stuff like that where like they're like little little touches like like I'm, I'm not saying you need to be fucking Red Dead 2. Like I don't need to open up every fucking cabinet drawer. I just I just like want to feel like like just like get really like deep dive into what what makes this game special. And it was supposed to be just like carnage and explosions and just going buck wild. And like for the most part, it was more just uh you know, like I said, fire, firing rockets as soon as I was in range of somebody and could shoot, hit them. And then like, like the explosions weren't like, <laughs> were nothing. Like the sound was like, sounded like a rocket from like fucking PS2 era. Um, wow. That's disappointing. Yeah, not, not that bad, but like it is nothing, nothing, nothing about it was impressive other than like, the design of like the like all the neon like like uh, futuristic city lights and stuff like uh, it was it was pretty at some points when you're leaping between building and building building to building or you'd see like holograms that, at dance clubs stuff like that mm-hmm. so you'd see some cool assets but like for the most part like I, I they they didn't lean hard enough into what made the game unique and in doing that it like it just it's not it's nothing like it's not unique because it's mediocre so it's just like everything else just with a slightly different design that's really disappointing i i feel like crackdown in that style of gameplay is where you can really go over the top with design yeah yeah i mean even like blowing up cars like it was (laughs) it sort of reminded me of like gta3 and not keep going back to that but like i'm pretty sure there was only one there was only two states for cars. It would be like perfect and then blown up. And there was just like the two models. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, like I obviously you can't take like a bat to these cars or anything and like take ding it up individually. Like it's pretty much just you blow it up or you don't, but, but still it's like, it's just like stuff like that. And again, the only destructibility, which is originally what they were marketing, like fucking, I don't know, like six years ago when this game was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, history, back to history of the game. This game's been delayed for like the last three or four years, but that's an aside. Yeah, when they first announced it, it was like, oh, look at all this uh, destructibility and in like multiplayer with the power of the cloud, like look at all the breaking. Like I thought they would incorporate some of the destructibility into the single player. No. No, really? There, There wasn't any non set piece that could get destroyed. Like I, the only thing that comes to mind is like towards the end when like a part of a building is blown off, but that happens in a, in a video. You know, the red faction series 
made me a promise about the future of games that every other <laughs> fucking game has failed to live up to. And Dude, I do- Gorilla? Uh, Gorilla was such a great game, and they they did it so well, and it felt so cool and so badass blowing up these buildings and seeing them collapse, or just beating the hell out of a building with a sledgehammer. And it was I remember playing that game on Xbox after the release and thinking, yes, this is the future of games. And then the games <laughs> industry was fuck you, Andy. We're going to forget we ever made that game. We'll re-release it every couple of years. We'll give you a slightly more updated version so you can play it again and think, how is no one, no one even attempting this anymore? Is Honestly. Like, are they the only company that even considers destructible environments worth doing? I know that like Siege and Battlefield have had bits of it here and there, mm. but if you're not going to let me detonate an entire building organically or let me dig through the walls with a rocket launcher, I don't know what you're doing making games in 2019. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like that's one of the best parts about battlefield. Like they definitely still have it. And if like, if the most fun part of that game, isn't just riding a tank through a house, then like, I don't know what is <laughs> that. I remember in bad company, the first time, uh, playing with a group of people hiding behind cover and that cover slowly getting whittled down from the ends. (laughs) That was just some of the tensest, most exciting gameplay. It's amazing. So obviously no one should do it. Let's not not take that and move that into any other environment. Well, good news is Crackdown didn't do it, so fuck you, Andy. (laughs) Good. Let's hear your final thoughts on uh, Division 2 and then we'll we'll rank these bad boys. I would be surprised if we get a Division 3. I, um, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to, I'm going to come out and say it. I don't, I don't think this is worth making a sequel for. I think the division one was the division one had a lot of promise and the amount of post-release work they put into it to rebalance and to come up with new game modes and really make that game, it fill it out. Oh, that was another thing I didn't mention The the city's fucking empty. Uh. And that was a problem they addressed in later patches of Division 1, of it feeling like there was no one there and adding more roving gangs of... So where... Did you take everyone who worked on the Division 1 post-release content and just lock them in a basement somewhere and not let them <laughs> talk to anyone developing Division 2? It's like it's like I'm talking to my, my toddler. <laughs> Can't hear you. There's a Cheeto in my ear. <laughs> just, buddy, what are you doing? What did we just talk about? Don't put that in your mouth. It tastes gross. You just made this discovery. Come on. No. Yeah, so that's that's my final thoughts. It's just it it, it would be excusable if this was an X-Pack. But it's ah, oh, it's so frustrating because it should have been so much better and I was excited and it's it's now put me in a it's now put me in a position where I feel stupid for having purchased it because yeah. it's just like i oh, you, you got me again um i should be putting it in, in our standings here um yeah go, go ahead with yours first i'll do my final thoughts and rank mine do you oh, have oh, the standings up yeah i do i do currently we have i'm uh, just going from from best to worst we have king of hearts 3 death may cry 5 yoshi's crafted world anthem far cry new dawn and apex legends uh ending the list mm-hmm. at number six i will put this at Number seven, so far. Worse than Apex Legends. Worse than Apex Legends. Yep. Who child? I know. Well, Apex Legends had good menus. 
I can understand that you are. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, uh, all right. So at number seven, currently we've got division two. Let's see where crackdown falls. Um, so my, my final thoughts will be pretty brief cause I already covered everything in my notes. Um, you know, for what it, for what it was, it was good, and it, what it was was a fucking brainless game, and it was just just jumping around, locking onto people, like not having to worry about aiming, like literally not having to worry about aiming in a in a shooting game, is like such an interesting slash lazy <laughs> slash like like oh like it, it's exciting in its own way because like you wanna like when you pick up this giant boulder. You're like, I'm never going to hit that fucking guy a mile away. Like, Oh, wait, I can lock on to him. And it's like it does the math for me. Like if he's moving, <laughs> it does the math and throws it right where he's walking and fucking just donks him. It's hilarious every fucking time. Like, that sounds, I, I, that I, sounds I, so satisfying. It is like I would never be able to make that skill shot. So I'd be throwing like I'd have to walk up to somebody and literally crush them with the boulder for that to be at all like at all an interesting mechanic. But in, in in this game, you know, no skill, no skill required. Just come in, hold down the left trigger, and uh, then shoot or throw or punch or do whatever you got want to do. However you want to kill him. Um, that being said, it it really is basically a remake of uh, Crackdown One. I say that not as someone who played it like eight years ago. Plus, actually, it's probably like ten years ago now when it came out. I played it last year, and <laughs> it was Crackdown One developed for next gen consoles and like honestly with the way the game how how the game was stylized it probably could have been scaled down a little bit and been a 360 game like that's like the visuals weren't impressive at all Mm, um that's hard yeah and this is in like the last full year of this generation too um anyway um so like like i it's i'm a bit by like hot and cold on this game for sure because like i i had a lot of fun with it fun with it which in my book makes it like like a fucking like a c-grade game um which is going to be way more generous than most people gave it but like everything else about it was like fucking like non-existent to terrible um so looking at the list i i like like it's a video game so it's like fucking fun (laughs) Um, but I, I think I need to sandwich it somewhere in between your games since like <laughs> your, your games are bringing up the rear here. And, um, did, did you have fun in Far Cry New Dawn? Yeah, I did. I'll, I'll put it. I, I would say above Apex Legends, but below Far Cry New Dawn. How does that sound to you? It sounds good to me. Here you have it. Uh, so that puts Crackdown at number six in the standings and... Division two and dead last eighth place. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, for this week uh, or whatchamacallit. Oh, like I said, we got a uh, pre E three show coming up uh, at the end of the week. Probably, probably a Friday release uh, at this point. Um, So please look forward to that. Um, Also, please keep liking, tweeting, sharing, whatever, whatever you guys do, talking about it on social medias. Uh, we appreciate any, uh, any, uh, anything, any signal boosting you can give us, please keep sharing the tapes. Uh, That's the word. Get, get us out there. Yeah. Yes. Just, just remember we're a couple of cuties looking for love. Mm -hmm. That definitely describes me. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been episode four. I'm Brent Langevin, AKA Arcadia. Uh, I'm Andrew. Uh, 
aka Solid Talker. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>